Christ is born. Glorify him. There's a danger that we Christians have, and that danger is that the miraculous, the awe-inspiring, becomes mundane to us. And this is perhaps no more true than in the nativity of our Lord. This feast that is so pervasive all around the world, really, among people who are not even Christian. And it's all centered around the fact that Jesus Christ came into the world. But the mystery, the great and profound, awe-inspiring miracle that has occurred, we sometimes pass over, maybe just diminish, don't realize, don't think about, whatever it may be. So we Christians, we have to come back to that each and every year. We have to remind ourselves what has just occurred. And there's perhaps no greater orator that I could use than St. John Chrysostom, who offered these words. If you have the little spiral-bound readings today, you would have read it. He says, what shall I say, and how shall I describe this birth to you? For this wonder fills me with astonishment. Truly, this is how we all should be filled with astonishment. <clears throat> the Ancient of Days has become an infant. And that title, Ancient of Days, is a prophetic title for God. Ancient of Days. It almost doesn't even make sense what it's saying. He is from before when there were days. And he is now an infant. He who sits upon the sublime and heavenly throne now lies in a manger. Christ our God sits on the throne of the cherubim. Angels are his throne. And now he is an infant. And he lies in a manger. He who cannot be touched, who is simple, without complexity, and incorporal, now lies subject to the hands of men. He is subject to human beings. There's this beautiful icon of Christ taking his first steps. And the Panagia there helping him along the way. Christ was subject to men in the same way that every infant is completely subject to everyone around them. An infant cannot survive, not even days, maybe days at most, without the constant intervention of other human beings. And this is where our Lord, our Creator, put Himself. He who has broken the bonds of sinners is now bound by an infant's bands. Those swaddling clothes. We know about swaddling. We wrap them tightly so they can't move. Imagine, the creator of the universe is wrapped so he can't move. But he has decreed that ignominy shall become honor, infamy, infamy be clothed with glory, and total humiliation the measure of his goodness. He has flipped everything around. It's that last word that he uses here, total humiliation, that phrase that I'd like to focus on for a moment. Because God was humiliated. We might want to clarify that and say, no, God was humbled. God was humbled. Because in English, we have this difference between humiliation and humility, or being humbled. What is the difference? Just ponder that for a moment. The difference between being humiliated and being humble. They're the same root, but we have a guttural response between the two. 
about how different they are. I'll tell you what the difference is between the two. The person's will. A person, when we say a person is humiliated, what does that always mean? They didn't want it. Maybe afterwards they can see, they can appreciate it, but certainly it's not something that they wanted. That's the difference in our common understanding of the word. And that's why when we hear someone who is humiliated, immediately we have this response inside of us, ugh, unless it's someone we really despise, and then our evil side comes out and we're joyful about it. But it's something where we go, ugh, we bear in their shame. Because in fact, being humiliated means that you feel ashamed. Someone has exposed you in a way that you didn't want to be exposed. Humiliation is very deep. And this is what our Lord has taken upon himself. The difference being that he willed it. Because we, I had this situation this morning, I won't go into it for the sake of my family, but it was a situation that it was humbling to me. I might say it that way. I felt humiliated because I realized, and this is also at the heart of humility, who I think I am or who I want to be is quite different from who I am. And this is at the heart of how we become humble. Because I'd like to say to all of you, be humble. Be humble. And you might even say to yourself, yes, Father, that's a good thing. I should be humble. Now what? Now what do I do? Be humble? How about be humiliated? Be humiliated. Because that's actually the path towards our humility. It's not a path that we can create for ourselves very well. It's not very easy to be humble. What we can do is we can accept in humility the things in our life that humble us. And in this way, we join ourselves to Christ. Because we have a choice every time that we're humiliated, the choice to accept it or the choice to deny it. And we always want to lean towards the denying of it. No, thank you, I don't want this. I'm going to lash out at the person who's humiliated me. I'm going to justify myself and explain why it's really not X, Y, and Z, and how it's really this other way. Or we can embrace it. And in embracing it, we become the swaddled infant in the cave. We become the one who says, I will take on whatever is placed upon me. Because this is what Christ did. In becoming a human, he took on everything that it means to be our humanity. And yes, that means a completely defenseless human being, an infant who can do nothing for themselves. My brothers and sisters in Christ, as we see that swaddling infant in the icons, as we remember this profound mystery, I'll throw in another phrase there. The unoriginate begins. This was from the hymns this morning. The one who has completely humbled himself, he is our example of humility. Because I tell you, there is a path to humility. It's not an easy path, but it is the path that in taking that path, we become like Christ. Amen. <clears throat>
Let us all say with our whole soul, with our whole mind, let us say. Lord, Almighty God of our fathers, we pray to you. 